Welcome to the Cherry Hills Podcast. The sermon from this Sunday is a standalone message from Proverbs 3.6, as Pastor Jeff shares one of his hopes for our church family. Thanks for joining us. Well, I want to invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Proverbs. It's in uh, near the middle of your Bible. Psalms and Proverbs is usually right near the center of the person's Bible, if you're using a hard copy like that. And if you want to turn to page 512, if you're using a black Bible uh, that's in the seat rack. But I'm asking you to open your Bibles today because I want you to notice something about the verse we're going to study. And uh, we're going to learn it differently than the NIV has it in some of the black Bibles or maybe some of the ways some of your translations say it. Some of you already know this verse by heart. Some of us just need review. But here's what I hope happens. I hope that today you walk out of here with Proverbs 3, 6 on your heart and on your mind. And uh, if you would, if you look at the message notes, do you see how we have that verse in the first gray box? And so let's just start today by hearing the word of God out loud. You remember, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So let's uh, read these 12 words together in that first gray box. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Try it again. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Now, these are the words I want to share today. And some of you know that there is no other verse that I have taught on more in the last 20 some years here in this church family than this one. And so some of you may say, Jeff, what's the deal? Like, why do you keep teaching on this? Well, a couple reasons. One is because I still don't have it. I'm still learning about this verse. And many of you have told me that you are too and that you appreciate the reminders. Second reason that we're doing this is that uh, from time to time when I go away to study to try and get out ahead of things, um, I try and ask God, you know, different ways that he wants to work in our church. And so I was on one of those study times this summer, and uh, I was listening to a book um, that I had to listen to for other preparation leadership stuff. And as I was listening, in this book, the author says this, every year he counsels pastors to preach an I have a dream message. And I have a dream message. So as I'm listening to that, I thought, oh, that's interesting. What, what, would, what, would, I, what would I preach on? Not that it's about me, but if God puts a dream in your heart as a pastor for a church in your own life, what would that be? And I, the next thought that came to me was, I dream that everyone in our church would know the grace of acknowledging the Lord in all our ways so he can direct our paths. Uh, friends, there is so much grace in this verse that God wants us to know. And so as a pastor... I'm learning, probably you are too, that God, more than wanting something from us, wants something for us. And there, there's a grace that he wants us to know as a church, and so I want to talk to you today about this verse. And here's the question coming out of the gates, if you're following along in the notes. What if acknowledging him became a habit for all of us? What if acknowledging him became a habit for all of us? Um, I've titled this message, What If? Because I've just let my imagination go there. Like, like, what if you, what if you, what if you, just the sum total of all that was happening each week, wherever we go, if we were acknowledging them in all our ways, what would our church be like? What would our homes be like? What would our workplaces be like? What would our schools be like? And so, what if? Now, I notice I used the word habit. 
And uh, you know what a definition of a habit is? Here's one that I'll put up here. A behavior pattern acquired by frequent repetition that shows itself in regularity. So is there a behavior patterns? You know, we all have habits. Some of them are bad. Some of them are good. But did you know that a habit makes a difference in your life? Uh, it's kind of whatever you do reps in. It could be a bad thing, a good thing. But this has everything to do with our character. So here's a, here's a saying that helped me this week think about how important habits are in our lives. Watch your actions. They become your habits. Watch your habits. They become your character. Watch your character, for it becomes your destiny. One of the reasons I want to talk about this verse today is because if it can become a habit, it's all about character. God doesn't want us to be interested in having an image of character. He wants us to have real character. He wants us to be the real deal. So what would it look like if you and I grew in character and in this practice, this habit? Because as you add up habits, they eventually make a big difference in our lives. So that's one of the reasons we're looking at this verse today. And um, we'll talk more about what it means, what it looks like. But I'm praying that when you walk out of here, you'll not only walk out of here with those 12 words, but also an idea of how they can be worked out in your own life, even this afternoon. Let's pray. Now, Lord, I know I've, I've seen this happen. It's possible for me to prepare a message on acknowledging you without acknowledging you, just to do it in my own power. I don't want to do that. And Lord, I'm asking you by your Holy Spirit, to get this into every person's imagination, these words, this, this idea. And then I'm asking, Lord, that you would give each of us an imagination for what it would look like in our everyday lives if this became a habit in our lives. I know that you uh, are able to inspire and motivate us and show us how to do this, but also I'm praying for a want-to spirit in every one of us that we might grow in this individually and as a church family so that we might be able to serve your purposes in this generation. For Jesus' sake and for his glory, amen. Okay, so what is acknowledging him in all our ways? Uh, this week, a uh, guy said to me, whatever you do, Jeff, like when you talk about this, make sure you explain acknowledge clearly. Because like if I don't know what that means, I'm not going to be able to practice. I said, I, I got that, I know. So here's the thing. I know I'm asking God to explain some of this to you way beyond what I can. But I, here's my best shot, okay? If you're following along, here's a definition of acknowledge. To be attentive to and take seriously. To be attentive to and take seriously. One of the things about acknowledge is that you become aware that God is there. That God's already here. Uh, when someone's there and we don't acknowledge them, that's rude, right? So to be able to acknowledge them first starts with an awareness. Yesterday I had a chance to walk with our adult daughter, Natalie, because she was home this weekend. And I just said, hey, what do you think of when you think of acknowledge? I said, I know what part of it means to be aware of him. And um, she says, well, I think not only of being aware of him, but also a welcome for him, that I welcome him in my life. I really like that. And I think that's this idea of being attentive to. You know, don't you, that you can, uh, especially with our family members that we get so familiar with, uh, Trish has told me at times that I come in the house and, um, and like we're standing in the same room, like we're standing close to each other. And I may even have all the facial expressions of being attentive. 
and she can tell that my mind or my heart is in the next room or somewhere else. You, you know what I'm talking about? So it's possible to be with someone and not be attentive to them or take them seriously. And here's what Jesus once said. He was quoting Isaiah, Matthew 15, 8. These people honor me with their words, but I'm not really important to them. The, the old translation is, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So it's possible to say all kinds of things like, oh God, I want to follow you, I want to trust you, and yet our hearts not be in it, not really be taking him seriously, not really understanding he's the Lord and his greatness and, and being aware of that. So that's part of it. But let me also tell you why I asked you to open your Bibles to this text, because I want you to see the bookends if you never have before. One time this really struck me is that in order to understand what it means to acknowledge the Lord, there's no question that the context says it means to trust in the Lord and to fear the Lord. In other words, to uh, deeply respect and honor him. But it also tells us what acknowledging him is not. Okay, so if you look at verse 5, that's right before verse 6, it says, and lean not on your own understanding. And then the beginning of verse 7 do not be wise in your own eyes. If you're following along, acknowledging him in all our ways, it means not leaning on our own smarts and power. Not leaning on our own smarts and power. That doesn't mean we kiss our brains goodbye. That doesn't mean we uh, deny the power we have. It means that if we lean on it, if we depend on it, we're in trouble. And that's the danger always. And, and people ask you, Jeff, how come you haven't gotten this all mastered? I'll tell you, because I still, at times, lean on my own understanding instead of his. I still think I'm smart in my own eyes enough to handle this. But let me say one other thing. Part of the way that we've been brought up, at least in the United States, with rugged individualism and all this kind of thing, and also just because of sin, is this independent spirit that says, I can do it by myself. I can do it without you, God. I think I'm smarter in this situation uh, that I know enough. And so what happens is, is when we lean on our own understanding, it'll keep us from acknowledging him. And he wants us to know that's never going to move us further. There's a couple of verses I've listed out to the right. One of them is Joshua 9:14. This verse haunts me at different times because I've thought about that when the Israelites were being led out of Egypt into the promised land, Joshua was leading them now after Moses, um, they had been told not to have, make a treaty or a covenant with any of the other uh, surrounding nations they were going into. So one of the nations that was in the line of sight decided to get clever and act like they were from far, far away and they weren't one of those nations that was included in that idea. So they were the Gibeonites and they packed up and they, they, they acted like they'd come for days and days. They had moldy bread. They had all kinds of leather that looked really old on their saddlebacks and things like that. And so they tried to act to the Israelites like, hey, make a treaty with us. We're not some of those people that you're not supposed to make a treaty with. And here's what verse 14 of chapter 9 in Joshua says, the Israelites sampled their provisions, but they did not inquire of the Lord. And they were tricked. And it made a big difference for years and years and years, the ripple effect of that, all because they did not acknowledge or inquire of the Lord. Here's another uh, passage. Uh, by the way, another translation, it says, the men of Israel wanted to know if these men were telling the truth, so they tasted the bread, but they did not ask the Lord what they should do. Now, 2 Chronicles 26 is another passage I listed out to the right. It's, it's by King Uzziah, probably one of the longest standing kings in all of Israel's history. Some of you have read Isaiah 6 that says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up 
what he was saying is at the end of this long chapter where we had this king that in many ways was loved, I saw the Lord high and lifted up when I needed it most. And so Uzziah, though, was a king that started out with great promise, but he ended poorly. And it tells us in 2 Chronicles 26 why. It says his fame spread far and wide, for he was marvelously helped. Till what, friends? He became strong. Then notice verse 16. But when he was strong, he grew proud to his destruction, and he was unfaithful to the Lord his God. What happened? He trusted in his own smarts and power. He leaned on those instead of on the Lord. And he didn't acknowledge the Lord. He became unfaithful to him. It got him away from the Lord. And that can happen to any of us. So part of the understanding is, first of all, is being attentive to and taking him seriously. But it's not leaning on our own smarts and power. Now, here's a little bit more of an idea of acknowledging him. It's humbly learning, if you're following along, humbly learning to look to, walk with, and yield to him. Humbly learning to look to, walk with, and yield to him. If you guys have the NIV translation and you're looking at your Bibles there, you'll notice that in verse 6, in the NIV, it says, in all your ways, submit to him. So here's this idea. It's possible to talk to God. It's possible to pray. I I talk with people all the time and say, I pray every day. Say, you know, I try and do that too. The question is, do you submit to him every day? Do you yield to him? If he's the Lord... That's the only appropriate response. And I just want to pause here and just say, if there's any person hearing my voice in this room that has never, ever entrusted your life to Jesus Christ, that's the starting point. The Bible, we learned it last week, unless the Lord saves us, we'll never have his Holy Spirit living in our lives, we'll never be right with God, and our whole orientation will be off. But if, in fact, he has come into our lives, then now he's the Lord of our lives, and he wants to teach us how to walk that out. And part of that is learning how now to look to him, to walk with him, and to yield to him. Now, one thing I did in my notes is I put, instead of walk with, I also put work with. Because especially for us guys, we need to know that, hey, whatever we're doing, we need to know we're working with him rather than against him or just doing our own thing. And so however it might help you, but here's several things in our church family. Several people wrote uh, to us to tell us what they think of with this verse. One guy wrote and said that what he loves about Proverbs 3, 6 is that this changes his focus away from himself to God. I really like that. In other words, when you and I acknowledge the Lord, we turn from being driven by our own self to acknowledging the Lord. Another guy said what he's learned is that he tends to acknowledge the Lord more as a last resort or a later resort rather than a first resort, an earlier resort. So what God's been teaching him is to more quickly say, man, I need to look to the Lord like first. I need to look to the Lord way earlier than I tend to do because I still kind of trust myself and lean on my own understanding or so much happens before I wake up to the fact that it's one o'clock in the afternoon and I haven't even acknowledged that he's in my life. And that can happen so easily. Another person said, uh, whenever I think of this verse, I think of the fact of what the Lord has done for me. And I just am mindful that I need to acknowledge what he's done, what he can do, what he's about, his character. And it just helps him praise the Lord. Now, another person wrote, and she said, in my family, whenever we were making a decision, my approach was always to write a pros and cons list. She said, I'm not saying that's wrong, but I used to do it all the time without God. And now what I want to do is learn how 
very early on to be able to say, Lord, what do you think? What do you want? Guide us, our steps, stuff like that. So this was really helpful for me just to think about how I look to, how I walk with, work with, or yield to the Lord. And again, what, what challenges a lot of people is this next part. And that's all your ways or all our ways as I have it in the notes. A lot of times when we hear that phrase, all, we think God's bluffing. We just say, man, no way. That's impo- it's impossible. God can do it, but I can't. So he must not mean it. But he means it. It's like as crazy as the verse that says, pray without ceasing. So it hangs us up. We just all go, well, that's impossible. So why even try? Here's what I want you to know. It's more possible than you think. It's more possible than I think. And I, I memorized this verse as a kid, but it wasn't until about 30 years later, one time I was in a situation where I was just frustrated and I was trying to work it out. I was trying to fix it. And all of a sudden one day said, uh, the Lord just seemed to whisper across the ticker of my mind, hey, um, you want to acknowledge me with this? And I thought, you mean with this? And I didn't, it never dawned to me that was one of my ways that he meant. And so I, I go, okay. And so I did. But part of it was what hung me up is I only thought he wanted me to acknowledge him with some things. I've talked with people that says, I try never to bother God unless it's a really big thing. And I just go, there are no big things to God. They're all little next to God. But he wants to be involved in our lives in more ways than we realize. So let me just tell you what all means. This is what it means in the original language. Ready? Everything I do, everywhere I go. You see that part? Oh, everything I do, everywhere I go. And some of us go, wow. That's why it says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Do it all. Do it all in the name of Christ Jesus. Do, do it all. All. And so some people say, well, I don't know if that's possible. Let me just ask you this. Have you ever watched somebody play video games? If you doubt that people can do two things at once, just watch them. It's amazing. I, I can't believe. Like this, their hands, like their ability to keep track. They're, we can actually learn. We can grow into this. Um, my dad had to teach me how to drive a manual uh, transmission stick shift years ago. I'll never forget, Dad, when you took me out on that hill and you said, okay, we, we were out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and he said, now I want you to uh, want, you know, take your foot off the brake. And I want you to figure out how to let the clutch out and, and put the accelerator down uh, without, you know, if you're in real traffic, you'd kill people if you don't get this right, okay? So I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you know? And I'm thinking, I've got to do this with my right hand, this with my left hand on the wheel. I've got to like pay attention in front of me, my left foot, my right foot. And I was just like sweating bullets. And you know what? I learned that I could do all that and, and not kill people. And friends, all I want to say is this, is that, that that's an amazing thing. It just teaches you can do more than one thing once. What I've said to people over the years is what really got me is when I heard the song from Snow White, Whistle While You, and I thought, I can do two things at once. But I have to learn. I have to train. So some of this is just learning how everything I do, everywhere I go. Now, another thing is, is that if you boil it down, as we talked about habits, as we talked about learning how to do this, if you're following along, it's the small, steady, repeated, everyday steps we take. It's the small, the steady, repeated, everyday steps we take. 
One guy was telling me that he often starts his morning like this by saying, Lord, I acknowledge, I want to acknowledge you today in all my ways. Help me do that. Starts his day by praying that almost first thing in the morning. But he says he notices that what really, when it really becomes powerful in his life is when in the middle of the day, he's still praying that prayer. When he's going into a meeting or he's having lunch or he's talking to someone and he's still praying that prayer, now he knows that he's starting to understand that one step at a time, he's learning how to step this out. And this is really what God wants us to be about. I love what Tim Keller said. He says, in the book of Proverbs, wisdom is a path. Walking a path is basically accomplished by steady, repeated, even mundane, even boring actions. He says, most of us want the big, the sensational answers from God. A lot of times, but he says, if you go, if you're going to go miles and miles, it's right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot. As long as you do them over and over and over and over again, you get somewhere. Who you become, your final destiny, is basically a product of how you do the little things every day. Your little choices, your little attitudes, the basic disciplines, the things you spend your time doing every day. You become wise by assuming a certain set of daily practices, by taking upon yourself a certain set of daily repeated disciplines, things you're going to do over and over, and if you do them every day, and if you do them over and over, eventually you'll become a wise person. And he's right. You know, in weightlifting, we say we need reps. We need reps with this. This is not something that's meant to be, well, I'm perfect at it. It's meant to be a practice, a lifestyle, a habit that becomes more and more a part of us. Believe me, I I don't get this right every day, but the more I do reps, the more I see how God wants this to be applied in every area of my life. Now, let me just tell you where I first got the vision for how this might look in the tiniest moments of life. And I'm going to probably lose my man card with some of you guys when I tell this story, but I'm going to tell it anyway, okay? My maternal grandmother, uh, Grandma Brewster, uh, was uh, very dear to me. She's uh, gone to be with the Lord now, but she um, uh, was a pretty good seamstress. And so back when I was dating Trisha in high school, college, I I decided that I wanted to be a fully orbed guy, and I wanted to learn how to sew a dress for my wife. Well, at that time, just my girlfriend. And so I asked Grandma, I said, hey, I've got a couple days off from work. Would you mind if I came down and you taught me how to sew and help me sew a dress for Trisha. She said, I'd love to. So we came down there, we bought the pattern, we went and bought the fabric, and then now we're pinning it out on the pool table, okay? And I'm thinking, okay, this was stretching me, not just the material, it was stretching me. And so as we're doing this, I look over and I thought maybe my grandma was starting to lose her mind because she was talking, but she wasn't talking to me. And I look over and my grandma used to call me Jeffy. She's the only one that can call me that. But anyway, she, <laughs> she used to say, and I saw her print, she just said, Heavenly Father, as we work on this dress for Tricia, would you help Jeff and I to do it with you? And we pray that you'll help us know how to put this dress together, and as we do it, enjoy each other's company. But we just, in a way, what she was saying was, we just want to acknowledge you with our pinning, our cutting, our sewing, our being together, everything. Last week, I ended the message by saying the most important thing in life is knowing God. The word acknowledge, the word in the center of acknowledge is what? No. And here's the truth. If you and I begin to learn how to acknowledge the Lord, even in our little steps, we begin to know him like we'd never know him if we didn't. 
By acknowledging more, we know him more. And that's what he can do in our lives if we give him a chance. So notice also that the Lord wants to guide and bless us. The Lord wants to guide and bless us. I told you there is so much grace in this verse that God has for us that he wants to direct our paths. But it's not a guarantee. He wants to do that, but we have a part in it too. So Psalm 32, 8, look at this. It says, the Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. We saw in Psalm 23 this summer that the Lord will lead us in right paths for his name's sake. That's what he's about. But that doesn't automatically mean that happens. There is a condition. There is a, you know, in all your ways, acknowledge him. And if we don't acknowledge him, then those things can't happen. If you're following along, he will direct our paths is his gracious promise to us. He will direct our paths. If we acknowledge him in all our ways, he will direct our paths. When we acknowledge him, he has the power to lead us, direct us. If we have a, a yielded spirit, then he can guide us. I love how Psalm 32, 8 says he'll do it with his loving eye upon us. That's how much he cares about us. But here's what I want to also make sure you see today, in case you're wondering about this in your own life, is that we can't know the promise if we won't acknowledge him. We can't know the promise if we won't acknowledge him. Proverbs 14, 12 says that there is a path before each person that seems right but it ends in death. In other words, if you and I lean on our own smarts and our own power, we may see all kinds of paths instead of acknowledging the Lord that we're tempted to take or think is a better path to take. And if we do, we may be tricked, just like the Israelites were that didn't inquire of the Lord. And so there is this idea that if you and I say, well, I, want, I don't want my life to be undirected by the Lord, well, are you acknowledging him and giving him a chance to direct your life? Because if not, you can't know the promise. It's related. Now, here's why this is important. I feel this almost every day, but there is in our culture, and sometimes even maybe you've, you've adopted it in your own heart, this fatalistic spirit that says, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. doesn't make any difference what I do. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Friends, the Bible says all the time that there are these conditions, these invitations, these challenges from God, that if we will do this, he will lead our life differently than if we don't. Obedience matters. Yielding to him matters. I'll remind you that King David was a man after God's own heart, and he inquired of the Lord. He inquired of the Lord. He inquired of the Lord. Over and over again, it says that about him. And he did it early, and he did it first in so many cases. But there was one time the Bible records when he refused to acknowledge the Lord. And even people outside the church know about that with Bathsheba. And it led him on a path that rerouted his life. And God eventually gave him grace too, but there were consequences that came as a result of his unwillingness to acknowledge the Lord. And so let us all embrace the grace that is there for us if we will. And here's the thing, making this a daily habit is the path of wisdom and fruitfulness. Making this a daily habit is the path of wisdom and fruitfulness. I, uh, in my notes, put the idea of making this a living daily habit. Because, you know, you and I can all turn this into a shtick. If we're not careful, we'll say, well, I acknowledge God, and now he's going to make my life go really good. That's not what this verse is saying. This verse says he'll direct our paths. 
but they may be different than the ones we ever imagined for ourselves. And they may have challenges in them, but he promises to be with us and direct us and to bring his kind of character into our lives no matter what we face. And so the question is, how? Yes, but how, Jeff? How would I do this? I told you my whole dream is that you could be able to, with the Lord's help, be able to imagine yourself doing this this week, this afternoon. What would it look like? Well, here's several questions, and uh, I'll just share it with you this way. So first, making Proverbs 3.6 our daily practice. The first question is, how can I start my day each and every morning? How can I start my day each and every morning? Uh, some people tell me that they, they don't really wake up until they have coffee. And so they, they, there's like no brain power until they have some caffeine. But what I want to tell you is, is that there is an option to also, the minute you wake up, even if you're groggy, to say, good morning, Lord. I want to acknowledge you first before I do anything else. There is a way to fall on our knees out of bed if we're physically able and just go, Lord, I've never lived today before but I want to do it with you. Show me how to acknowledge you in this day. And um, for me, I know some of you, you took the New Testament challenge that we had this week where every week we're trying to read through the New Testament. I want to keep my heart within hearing range of God's voice. And I know that I have to practice the daily habit and discipline of my intake being from his word rather than all the pollution that comes from the world and all the wisdom I got to make sure he's filling my mind and heart with his instruction and counsel and wisdom. So that's the first question is how are you starting your day? Second, what little task can I begin doing with the Lord? What little task can I begin doing with the Lord? Like I said, my grandma taught me that there was no littlest task that he wasn't interested in being invited into and being acknowledged in. Yeah, but I have still examples where sometimes I, I, I think, for instance, like, do I acknowledge him when I'm cutting the lawn or washing dishes or, you know, shaving or whatever it might be? Uh, some people would say, do I do it when I'm changing a diaper? You know, friends, he, we can do all this with the Lord if we choose to. And when you and I begin to live conscious of that. So for me, you may say like, well, how would you talk to God, Jeff? Like, what would it sound like? Well, here's what I would just say. The simplest way, when I first started learning that God wanted me to practice this, I just said, okay, God, I'm not real original, but so here's what I'm going to do. I acknowledge you with this right now. I, I don't even know exactly what you have in mind or what you want to do, but I'm, I just am going to name it. I'm going to say it out loud. I'm just going to put it out there that I acknowledge you with this because I've been motoring along, actually kind of doing this in my own power. So show me how to acknowledge you with this or show me how to acknowledge you in this. And let me just tell you, there's enough stuff that happens in life that I've stood with people in the greatest tragedies of their lives and had to learn how to acknowledge, Lord, we don't know what to do right now. We just acknowledge you with this. I've been with people on the happiest days of their life and just try to say, we don't want to fail to acknowledge you with this. And everything in between when people come up to me and talk to me after the service, sometimes I pray with them. I just say, hey, can we just talk to God about this right now? And I'll just say, Lord, um, you want to be involved in this, in this person's life. So show them how to acknowledge you and would you provide what they need? And, and as I've gotten older in the faith, what I've learned is, is that I used to talk to God mostly when I needed something. Now, God wants us to do that. That's not wrong. And sometimes I'd throw in a little thank you every once in a while to show that I was a thankful person. 
But the longer I live, the more I'm trying to walk each day by saying, Lord, what do you want me to know? And what do you want me to do? What do you want me to know about this person that's standing right in front of me? What do you want me to see that I might miss? What do you want me to understand that if I don't acknowledge you, I'll miss? What do you want me to do? And I may struggle to do it, but what do you want me to do? And learn how to ask those questions. See, that's a relationship. That's knowing him. That's not using him. That's learning how to let him be in charge of my life instead of me stay in charge of my life. And so this third question is, which areas do I not want to acknowledge the Lord with? Which areas do I not want to acknowledge the Lord with? I've found that over the years, uh, I, can get, I can get where I start to love something or someone or some situation more than I love God. And I'm tempted to hold on to it. So years ago, when I first started teaching on this, I shared an example how when I was in high school, the Lord made himself real to me. But within a year after that, I, I met a girl and uh, I knew that we had a different place as far as faith, but I was determined to date this girl. And uh, a year, year and a half later now, I was, I was completely uh, a nominal Christian by this point because I had decided I wanted her more than Jesus. And the Lord kept saying, would you acknowledge me with this? And I go, nope, I'm going to hold on to this. And the more I held on to it, the more it created havoc in my family's life and people around me and even this girl's life. And one day I was finally able to humbly say, uh, I had a guy say to me, he said, can you tell God that you aren't willing to let go of this relationship? I said, well, why would I want to tell God that? And he said, well, can you at least tell God? He said, there's something about being willing to be that honest and get it out there that God can shine his grace on that. And when I was finally able to tell God, God, I don't want to let go of this, that all of a sudden he melted me and helped me get to that place if I would have never gotten, if I hadn't acknowledged him with my unwillingness to acknowledge him. Does that make sense? So what is it for you? Is it a person? Is it a relationship? Is it a situation? Is it uh, money? Is it uh, an opportunity? What is it? The last question is, what if each of us in this church humbly practice this? What if each of us in this church humbly practice this? So here's the what if question. And I was just thinking that the potential in this room is huge. If you and I, we, we don't often think of how our steps add up. We don't think of how our paths cross other people and influence other people's paths or intersect with other people's paths. But I'll just tell you two quick things of how this has affected my past. And some of you have heard this before. But my mother taught my father, who was a pastor at the time, how to pray for us kids. And when we would be getting ready for school on school mornings, more times than I can count, their bedroom door would be closed. And they told us that the reason why is because they were on the other side of it, praying for each one of us by name before God, that he would guide our steps. That touched my life. And still is, by the way, Mom. But my dad, I've told you many times, just in the normal interchanges of family life, sometimes he had to discipline me, I think more than any other kids in the family, by the way. And so I now am a dad, I get it. 
that sometimes you just get tired of that. It's a heavy responsibility, and so sometimes he would do it more out of frustration than love. He never abused me. But there were times I, he'd send me to my bedroom, and I would just be cold as ice towards him and just want to say, if you think, and, and I'd be laying there in bed, and uh, my bed, on top of my bed, and just thinking all these thoughts, you know, that weren't necessarily godly. And uh, my dad would walk in and ask if, if uh, I would forgive him for the tone he used with me. And I watched how, even though my dad didn't acknowledge the Lord exactly right the first, he would acknowledge the Lord earlier rather than later. And by doing that, it touched my path. And I would say the reason I am a Christian today is because of all my cynicism got melted away when I saw what it looked like when a person was willing to acknowledge the Lord in all their ways, including their failures. This is the grace that God wants for every one of us. And if you and I will walk out of here and say, I don't know where it's going to lead us, where it's going to lead me, but I want to learn. Thanks for joining us today. If you would like more information or to stay connected to Cherry Hills Church, please visit our website at cherryhillsfamily.org or follow us on Facebook.